Dedication of An Inquiry into the Human Mind on the Principles of Common Sense. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Reynolds. An Inquiry into the Human Mind on the Principles of Common Sense by Thomas Reed. Dedication. An Inquiry into the Human Mind on the Principles of Common Sense by Thomas Reed, D.D. Professor of Moral Philosophy in the University of Glasgow. An inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Job. The Sixth Edition. Edinburgh. Printed for Bell and Bradfoot. And William Creech, Edinburgh. And for T. Cadwell and W. Davies, London. 1810. Printed by A. D. Neal and Company. Edinburgh. To the Right Honourable James, Earl of Findlater and Seafield, Chancellor of the University of Old Aberdeen. My Lord, though I apprehend that there are things new and of some importance in the following inquiry, it is not without timidity that I have consented to the publication of it. The subject has been canvassed by men of very great penetration and genius. For who does not acknowledge Descartes, Malebranche, Locke, Barclay, and Hume to be such. A view of the human understanding so different from that which they have exhibited will, no doubt, be condemned by many without examination, as proceeding from temerity and vanity. But I hope the candid and discerning few, who are capable of attending to the operations of their own minds, will weigh deliberately what is here advanced, before they pass sentence upon it. To such I appeal, as the only competent judges. If they disapprove, I am probably in the wrong, and shall be ready to change my opinion upon conviction. If they approve, the many will at last yield to their authority, as they always do. However contrary my notions are to those of the writers I have mentioned, their speculations have been of great use to me and seem even to point out the road which I have taken. And your lordship knows that the merit of useful discoveries is sometimes not more justly due to those that have hit upon them than to others who have ripened them and brought them to birth. I acknowledge, my lord, that I never thought of calling in question the principles commonly received with regard to the human understanding, until the Treatise of Human Nature was published in the year 1739. The ingenious author of that treatise, upon the principles of Locke, who was no sceptic, hath built a system of scepticism which leaves no ground to believe any one thing rather than its contrary. His reasoning appeared to me to be just. There was, therefore, a necessity to call in question the principles upon which it was founded, or to admit the conclusion. But can any ingenious mind admit this sceptical system without reluctance? I truly could not, my lord, for I am persuaded that absolute scepticism is not more destructive of the faith of a Christian than of the science of a philosopher, and of the prudence of a man of common understanding. 
I am persuaded that the unjust live by faith as well as the just, that, if all belief could be laid aside, piety, patriotism, friendship, parental affection, and private virtue would appear as ridiculous as knight-errantry, and that the pursuits of pleasure, of ambition, and of avarice must be grounded upon belief as well as those that are honorable or virtuous. The day-laborer toils at his work in the belief that he shall receive his wages at night, and if he had not this belief, he would not toil. We may venture to say that even the author of this skeptical system wrote it in the belief that it should be read and regarded. I hope he wrote it in that belief also, that it would be useful to mankind, and perhaps it may prove so at last. For I conceive the skeptical writer to be a set of men whose business it is to pick holes in the fabric of knowledge wherever it is weak and faulty, and when these places are properly repaired, the whole building becomes more firm and solid than it was formerly. For my own satisfaction, I entered into a serious examination of the principles upon which this skeptical system is built, and was not a little surprised to find that it leans with its whole weight upon a hypothesis which is ancient indeed, and hath been very generally received by philosophers, but of which I could find no solid proof. The hypothesis I mean is, that nothing is perceived but what is in the mind which perceives it, that we do not really perceive things that are external, but only certain images and pictures of them imprinted upon the mind, which are called impressions and ideas. If this be true, supposing certain impressions and ideas to exist in my mind, I cannot from their existence infer the existence of anything else. My impressions and ideas are the only existences of which I have any knowledge or conception. And they are such fleeting and transitory things that they can have no existence at all any longer than I am conscious of them. So that, upon this hypothesis, the whole universe about me, bodies and spirits, sun, moon, stars and earth, friends and relations, all things without exception which I imagined to have a permanent existence, whether I thought of them or not, vanish at once. And, like the baseless fabric of a vision, leave not a track behind. I thought it unreasonable, my lord, upon the authority of philosophers, to admit a hypothesis which, in my opinion, overturns all philosophy, all religion and virtue, and all common sense, and, finding that all the systems concerning the human understanding which I was acquainted with, were built upon this hypothesis, I resolved to inquire into this subject anew, without regard to any hypothesis. What I now humbly present to your lordship is the fruit of this inquiry, so far only as it regards the five senses, in which I claim no other merit than that of having given great attention to the operation of my own mind, and of having expressed with all the perspicuity I was able what I conceive every man who gives the same attention will feel and perceive. The productions of imagination require a genius which soars above the common rank, but the treasures of knowledge are commonly buried deep, and may be reached by those drudges who can dig with labor and patience, though they have not wings to fly. The experiments that were to be made in this investigation suited me, as they required no other expense but that of time and attention which I could bestow. 
the leisure of an academical life, disengaged from the pursuits of interest and ambition, the duty of my profession, which obliged me to give prelections on those subjects to the youth, and an early inclination to speculations of this kind, have enabled me, as I flatter myself, to give a more minute attention to the subject of this inquiry than has been given before. My thoughts upon this subject were a good many years ago put together in another form, for the use of my pupils, and afterwards were submitted to the judgment of a private philosophical society, of which I have the honour to be a member. A great part of this inquiry was honoured even by your lordship's perusal, and the encouragement which you, my lord, and others, whose friendship is my boast, and whose judgment I reverenced, were pleased to give me, counterbalanced my timidity and diffidence, and determined me to offer it to the public. If it appears to your lordship to justify the common sense and reason of mankind, against the sceptical subtleties which, in this age, have endeavoured to put them out of countenance, if it appears to throw any new light upon one of the noblest parts of the divine workmanship, your lordship's respect for the arts and sciences, and your attention to everything which tends to the improvement of them, as well as to everything else that contributes to the felicity of her country, leave me no room to doubt of your favourable acceptance of this essay, as the fruit of my industry in a profession wherein I was accountable to your lordship, and as a testimony of the great esteem and respect wherewith I have the honour to be, my lord, your lordship's most obliged and most devoted servant, Thomas Reed. End of Dedication Recording by Stephen Reynolds, Durham, Connecticut